Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast. We exist to become witnesses to God's new creation so that every man, woman, and child has a daily encounter with Jesus. We believe that as a family of servant missionaries, we are empowered to participate in God's story because of the good news that King Jesus is making all things new. Why did God give his people gifts of the Spirit? The text reveals the gifts are not meant to prove anything, but rather to equip and build up the body of Christ. Great to be with you all. Thanks for joining us this morning. We're going to be continuing our series on Church Matters, Life in and for Jesus. We've been in this series now for quite a while, looking at what is the church, why does she exist, and how does a church learn to take up its place in God's story. We're again going to be in Ephesians 4, if you want to turn there now. And before we jump in, I want to just, as a quick aside, thank those of you who have been praying for me and for Jana and for Baby B. Over this last month, we are home now. Everybody is gaining health again. Uh, Beatrice is a healthy seven pounds now, which is amazing. We're super thankful for that. And uh, we are trying to figure out how to sleep. All of us. So it's been uh, just an amazing first month together as a family. And we just cannot say enough how loved we feel by you guys. We feel so loved, so cared for. Every day, different people are reaching out, asking what we need, how can they serve us. Our meal train filled up within days. People are asking if they can still bring us meals past our meal train. We just feel very loved. So thank you guys for that. Really, really appreciate that. So as I said, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, which we started looking at last week. If you missed that sermon, you can look up that online and listen. And we began looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and how he works, and how the Spirit builds up the church. Last week, we had some introductory points, including, I think these are going to be up on the screen. We looked at who the Spirit is, that he is God's personal, empowering presence. We looked at the Spirit gives us gifts for the sake of unity, and we're going to look at those gifts today. We looked at how we organize our lives through a diversity of giftings. We aren't all gifted the same way, but in our diverse giftings and personalities, we show what the one unified God is like. So, gifts were also given, we saw, so that we will grow up. Gifts are given so that you will mature, so that you will leave childish ways behind and become a mature follower of Jesus. We saw that maturity doesn't mean you know a lot of stuff. Maturity means you position your life to have the good news of Jesus spoken into. You put yourself into relationships with people so that you can hear Jesus spoken into your life. And again, as Scott was already talking about, within missional communities, it kind of becomes a no-duh of why you need to be in a missional community. Who else is going to know you to actually speak Jesus into your life? How will you actually seek to organize your life if you're not actually connected to a group of people who actually know your crap and you know their crap and you guys together can speak Jesus to each other. That's how you grow. That's the only way the Bible shows us. It doesn't say go to all the conferences, read all the books, and then you'll grow as a Christian. It says put your life in a context where Jesus and the truth of him are spoken into your life. Hence why we talk so much about being in missional communities. So those things get fleshed out in community, in MCs, gifts are given. We only realize our gifts if we're actually living in community. But we covered some of that last week. We still have a lot of ground to cover. There's still a lot of questions I'm sure you have, that I have, that the text is going to show us about the gifts of the Spirit. 
Who are the gifts for? Who gets the gifts of the Spirit? Does everybody, some people, the really good people, maybe not the really bad people? Who gets the gifts? What are the gifts of the Spirit? What specifically are the gifts? Do some people get more gifts than other people? How do we figure out what giftings we have? There is a lot of work to do, as I said. So this is what we're going to be looking at today and then also next week as well. And so as I said, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So I'm going to ask uh, Mr. Bruce Brown to come up and read this passage for us. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave, them, and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does, it, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. And he gave to the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, when we, so that we are no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head of, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what we're going to see today, church, is that gifts were given to equip the people of Jesus to know who they are so that they can play their part in the story. Let's pray as we jump in. God, we thank you for this chance that we have to be together. Thank you for the folks that are here, the folks that are maybe even watching online. I pray, Jesus, that as we look at your word to us in Ephesians 4, that we would already begin to think and discern of the ways that you have gifted us. Jesus, I pray for the people who feel sidelined, who feel that either because of their past or their sin or areas of struggle that they have, maybe fears, maybe insecurities, that they would question if they even have a part to play. Jesus, I do pray by the power of your spirit, you would show us who we are, how you have gifted us, how your gifts are calling us into community, not just for the sake of community, but for the sake of your kingdom being built. So God, we ask for your help. I ask for your help, God, even just for energy to preach and to rightly communicate your word to your people here at Redemption. Jesus, thank you that you are the one going ahead of us, even now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Something that I alluded to last week in the sermon is that we need to become a gifts-centric community. 
That doesn't mean that we only talk about the gifts, but that means that the only way we can move forward as a church is if each person knows who they are, is if each person knows their part to play in the story and in the life of redemption people. But often, if we approach the gifts of the Spirit, if you've been in the church for a while and you begin to like tiptoe into that pool of the gifts of the Spirit, you quickly realize there's two camps. There's two main camps as it relates to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody know what those two camps are? Often the gifts come down to a matter of have the gifts stopped or have the gifts continued. For some circles of Christianity, they believe that giftings of the Spirit, specifically some more of the speaking-relating gifts, have completely stopped. That those gifts were just for a certain time in history and are no more. Those folks would be called cessationists because the gifts have ceased, they would say. Some of the gifts have ceased. But then there's other folks who say, no, every one of the gifts has continued. Those folks would be called continuationists. The gifts have continued. The gifts are for the church today. So some camps, the gifts have ceased. Other camps, the gifts have continued. And there's a lot of gray and a lot of nuance. That's a very simplified presentation of the gifts. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I grew up and was raised in a continuationist camp. Scott grew up and was raised in a cessationist camp. We're figuring out how to work this out together. It's amazing. Often what happens, though, is depending on which camp you grew up in or which camp you're most familiar with, that becomes the lens by which you read the scriptures. That becomes the lens by which you think about how the Holy Spirit works. Does that make sense? You've been given this set of lenses that you put on that you now will read the Bible in light of whether you think the gifts are actually there or not, in what way the gifts have continued or not continued. But if you recall, what we're trying to do in this series is actually say, what if we can set those lenses aside and say, what if the mission of God going forward is the lens by which we read and engage the scriptures? When we talk about the mission of God, we want that to be the lens by which we approach the scriptures. We want that to be the lens by which we come to think about the Christian life. Remember a couple weeks ago, Scott gave that illustration from the movie National Treasure? where Nicolas Cage puts on those glasses. I think we have a picture of it. If you haven't seen that movie, you need to see that movie. It's it's a great movie. Uh, But there's a scene where a character has to find a clue, but he has to put on a certain type of glasses. He has to look through these certain lenses that will show him a clue that he needs to figure out. So for us here at Redemption Church, we want the mission of God, what we call a missional hermeneutic, to provide us a way to think rightly about the gifts of the Spirit. Because if you think about it, if that's the lens that we're approaching this for, then what purpose would the gifts have as it relates to the mission of God? Why would certain gifts be given or not given to advance the mission? What gifts could be there to stir up the people of God for mission or to do the opposite? Some folks would say the gifts were given just to prove that the disciples were actually communicating the truth. And other folks would say, no, the gifts were given so that the church will be built up. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. But even based on what we saw last week, that the gifts were given for the maturing of the church, we have to at least see that at least some of the gifts have continued, 
because the gifts were given not just so that the church could be proven to be real, but Paul says, again, we're reading this in a missional hermeneutic, gifts were given so that the church in every age would mature. So we're going to look at what then are those gifts that lead to maturing? The questions that we want to look at specifically today are if the gifts are given for the building up of the body, then who are the gifts for? Who gets the gifts? And then what actually are the gifts? Who gets the gifts and what are the gifts? That's what we're going to be looking at today. So let's start by asking, who are the gifts for? Who would get these gifts? If we can realize that at least some of them have continued, who gets the gifts? Are the gifts for the really godly people? Are the gifts for the spiritual elite? You know, those people that like apparently never sin. Those people who have all their act together. Those people maybe who've been following God for years and years. Those are the gifted people, right? No. The Spirit doesn't just gift a supposed spiritual elite. Look at what Paul says, verse 11. And he, speaking of Jesus, gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip who? The saints. Who are the saints? Us. To equip the saints, the church, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So who are the gifts for? Paul says five gifts were given. These aren't all the gifts, by the way. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Those gifts were given to equip everyone, to show everyone, here is who you are in God's story. You cannot miss this. You gotta catch this. The few gifts train and equip the many gifts. The few are not the most important few, but these gifts have a specific role. That's to train the rest of the folks in their gifts. The few train the many for ministry. So who does ministry at Redemption Church? Is it Nate and Scott? You guys pay us and we do ministry? Oh, you're a pastor. You're in full-time ministry. Exactly. Exactly. In missional community life, in our everyday life, that's where we all are the ones who are being sent out to do the work of ministry. The point of the gifts is actually figuring out who you are in Jesus and then being sent out into all of life. So whether you followed Jesus for five decades, would some of us here have followed Jesus for that long? Or maybe just five minutes, five weeks, five months, you are a minister, a servant of the gospel. You have a role to play in the story. But people often just say, well, the pastor does the ministry, right? We pay Scott and Nate and these other leaders, and they go do the ministry, right? People say that. Not here, though, hopefully. But do you hear how, according to the text, that's just completely wrong, that's just a complete load of crap. Do you hear even, think about this, how damning and deadly is that? For people to think, well, we pay them and they go do the ministry. Does it make sense why people get burned out in the church? 
Does it make sense why churches are failing? Because people don't know who they are. They don't know their role to play in the story. Is it any wonder, not just why burnout is so common, but why the supposed 80-20 rule is such a thing? The 80% of the work in the church is done by who? 20% of the people. The people who actually know who they are and are willing to say, I want to walk in community and figure out who I am, they're the people who do all the work because a lot of people don't spend the time to figure out who they are. So we don't just pay the few to do the ministry. The few equip the many to do the work of ministry. Again, this even talks about, again, going back to when Scott initially introduced this series, we talked about that the way we actually organize our lives as a church is intentional. The way we organize and do life together is a witness of the gospel. So think about that. What if we actually sought to live together in ways where our giftings are causing us to grow, to complement each other, to serve each other, to be a family of witnesses together? Whoa, what if we organized into smaller communities where we could live that out in the everyday life? Do you see now why we rail on missional communities all the time where we cannot stop talking about that this is actually where your life as a follower of Jesus gets fleshed out? Often, again, just, I am just going to beat on the church in America for a minute. Church is made to look like this. Who are the gifts for? Well, there's the pastors there up at the top, super godly guys. And then there's everybody else underneath them, right? This is so wrong. This is so wrong. The pastors are not just the godly guys or the, uh, the apostle, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Well, those are the most important people. And then there's everybody else. That's completely not what Paul is saying. There's another slide coming up that actually shows, no, the pastor's leaders, they have certain gifts to equip those who are being sent out into the everyday stuff of life. Think about this. In the story of God, when God's people Israel were rescued out of Egypt, God gave them the law, the prophets began to talk about what God's people were supposed to be doing, they said one day all of God's people are going to be priests. One day all of God's people are going to be mediators between a sinful world and a holy God. There's going to be a group of people that will come as priests and kings, and they will know who they are. They will have the Spirit in them, and they will be sent out into all the world as ministers of this kingdom. Friends, that day is right now. Friends, that day is here now. What the prophets looked forward to and told about to Israel, that day is where we are right now people who are sent out, people who are equipped with the good news of Jesus burning in their chests. And they go out into everyday stuff of life, into their neighborhoods, into their careers, into their friendships, into their schools, into their hobbies, into all the places they hang out. And they know, I'm a minister of this good news. I'm a servant. I'm a slave of Jesus. He's brought me into his family. And it's a good family. So I'm going to figure out how to talk and share about that. So this means that every one of us here, if you are a follower of Jesus, from our children to our eldest members and partners, we're all gifted. Parents, have you thought about that with your kids? Am I actively encouraging and helping discern and draw out with my kids how they're gifted? 
what their role might be in the story, I would encourage you to do that. So, who's gifted by the Spirit? We're all gifted. But what are we gifted in? What are the gifts, though? Well, let's look at that now. What are the gifts of the Spirit? This kind of, think of this as part two. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That word gift is the word for bounty, abundance, according to the measure of Christ's bounty that he is sharing with us. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. We spent some time looking at that passage last week, how Paul is quoting from Psalm 68 and showing that the true fulfillment of that is Jesus, who accomplished his victory here, has ascended to the Father, is going to return to reclaim all this earth as his own. But in the meantime, he has given gifts from his victory to us, which are the gifts of the Spirit. What I want you to do now is turn to another passage in the New Testament. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you're in Ephesians, go a little bit left, a couple pages, you'll get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to spend some more time in this passage next week. But listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we can see that the gifts, what are the gifts? They are the diverse ways that the Spirit of God shows up to his people. Here's the best definition that I know of for what the gifts of the Spirit are. This is from a guy named Sam Storms. He writes, spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external or outside of himself. They are not some tangible stuff or substance separated from God. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our mind, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. So what are the gifts? They are the diverse ways that God himself shows up in our life through his people, to show us who we are, and to empower us to play our lives in the story. We're going to hit this some more next week. But we always talk about here at Redemption, the church needs to figure out how to play its role in the story. Translation, you need to know how you're gifted so you can play your part in the story. You need to know how God himself is going to show up in your life, not just for you, but for the sake of community. And not just for the community, but for the sake of going as a witness. Gifts are given by the Spirit because they are God himself in us, manifested in a lot of different ways. I mean, just even think about, think about if you interact with Nate, if you interact with Scott, if you interact with your missional community, if you interact with maybe you have family members who know Jesus, don't you experience the goodness and the reality of God differently based on who you're with? Don't some people really show you 
that God is actually calling you to obey him. Some people really are good at helping people see God wants us to follow him. It's really good to be around those people. Other people are really gifted at showing you in really practical ways. God has got you. He's holding you. He's not going to let you go. Maybe they do that through actually speaking to you. Maybe they do that through hospitality and welcoming you in. But you see how the different gifts actually show us this is how God's showing up in our life. Through his people. And again, just to rail on this, I did last week as well. Don't you see why rogue Christianity, Christians who are out there thinking, well, I can just follow Jesus. I don't need a part of a community. What a joke. That is completely counter to what the New Testament picture is of Christians just out there kind of doing their own thing. I'll, I'll just church hop a little bit. I'll, you know, date Jesus. You know, when it's convenient for me, I'll maybe serve, maybe show up. The New Testament would not call that Christianity. I'm not saying that people who do that aren't Christians. That is not actually what faithful Christianity looks like. So what are these ways that God himself energizes our soul and speaks to us and infuses our wills? Well, what we just looked at in Ephesians 4 are five of those gift categories. All of which are, if you notice, look at those gifts, Ephesians 4.11, they're all speaking gifts. Are all the gifts about speaking though? They're not. We're going to look at some other gifts in just a minute. But what I want us to do is actually just take some time, since we're in Ephesians 4, and look at these giftings of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Look again, Ephesians 4.11. He, Jesus, gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, we already looked at this, to do what? To equip who? The saints, us, to do what? The work of ministry, being servants of the good news of Jesus, to build up the body. So let's just look briefly at each of these. These are gifts that are given to train the saints for the work of ministry. These are not the only gifts. These are not the most important gifts. These are not the only gifts that really matter. These are gifts specifically to help others discern and live out their gifts. We would say that these gifts are functional. They're not offices. We don't believe that the office of the apostle is still a thing that there are people out there who are real apostles today. Let's look, let's jump into this now. Let's look at the gifting of apostle. If you know, in the Bible, Jesus called to him 12 apostles when he was here on earth. These were his guys, his crew, the ones that helped to establish and lead and have authority over the first local churches. They had all seen the resurrected Jesus. They had testified to what they had seen. And a lot of them went on to write the New Testament. Majority of the New Testament is written by these apostles. So when we talk about the gifting of the apostle today, we're not using apostle in the same sense of the word. We're not saying that people who have an apostolic gifting have the authority that the New Testament apostles had. We are not saying that. Because where is their authority preserved for us? In the Bible. Their authority from Jesus is given to us in the fact that they took down the truths about Jesus for us. But does that mean that their giftings and their skill sets have ceased? I would say no. The gifting of oversight, the gifting of leading multiple churches, the gifting of doing pioneer missionary work, going to hard-to-reach places and bringing the gospel there. I believe that that apostolic gifting 
is for some people. That some people, maybe even some of you, will be called to do that type of work. Taking the gospel to unreached, hard-to-reach areas. That is a gifting that an apostle would have. Do you have that gift? Do you have that desire for that type of work? Let's look at prophet. Prophets are those who call people to see the word of God and then obey it. Think about prophets in the Old Testament. They called people to act in light of God's word. They called people to act in ways of justice, showing mercy, when people were doing the exact opposite. Prophets were people whose job is to make God's word clear and to call people to obey it. So as it relates to a prophetic gifting today, the point is gifting, not having a title of prophet. A prophet is one who speaks in a timely or even poignant way. A prophet is one who often can get a spontaneous word or picture from the Spirit and then share it. Have you ever had somebody who spoke a word to you that was so timely or brought to bear a truth about Jesus that so met you and they didn't even know what was going on in your life and you just thought, oh my gosh, you just spoke directly into my situation. It's a function of the gift of prophecy, friends. I've known many people with a prophetic type gifting who speak a timely word in season. People who then can call other people, they're bold enough to call people to repent in that prophetic type gifting. Do you have that gift? Do you desire to call people to see the truths about Jesus and then live that out in obedience? Let's look at the evangelist. It's one of my favorite ones to talk about. The evangelist, I heard someone say, the evangelist is the ongoing recruiter. The one who is continually calling people who don't believe in Jesus to believe in the truths about Jesus. I believe that the evangelist is the one who seeks to make the gospel clear in places and arenas where it's not clear. Evangelists are people who speak the evangel. If you look at the word evangelist, the E-V-A-N-G-E-L, that word right there is the word for gospel, evangel. It means good news. So an evangelist is one who brings good news. But an evangelist does it in fresh ways, with creative language. John Stott, who was a British theologian, I alluded to him last week, he says this, there is a great need for gifted evangelists today who will pioneer new ways, check this out, of exercising and developing their gift so as to penetrate the vast, unreached segments of society for Christ. I have permission to share this, so I'm going to share this. Does anyone here know Luke Oxenreiter? He's not here today, but he told me I could share this. Luke loves talking about Jesus. Luke is actually philosophically trained. He got his undergrad degree in philosophy. He spent a lot of time in the philosophy world wrestling with ideas and trying to figure out how to make the truths of Jesus clear. Well, over the last several months, Luke has found himself in a world that I didn't even know existed, the world of competitive electronic gaming. Did you know that there's professional Halo players who literally have people pay them to go to these massive conventions and play Halo? For those of you who don't know, Halo is like a video game. 
And Luke, over the last several years, has gotten really good at Halo. And he's begun to get some friends in that world who don't know Jesus. And they actually had some people approach him and say, you guys are actually pretty good. You guys work together as a team. What if we give you guys a couple thousand dollars to send you to these tournaments? Do you think I could step into that world and share the truths of Jesus there? I could. I have no idea how that culture works. I have no idea what the cues of that world are. I have no idea what customs and protocols and how people spend their time together and what they think and how they perceive the world. But you know who does know how to do all that? Luke. Luke's not even here right now because he's actually doing that right now, which is amazing. The whole point I'm making is that I'm not necessarily gifted to go into the world of Halo, but Luke is. And Luke is actively seeking to build friendships and seeking to communicate the truths of Jesus to, in one sense, a very unreached people group. Think about your world. Think about the areas that you find yourself in. Is the Spirit calling you to pioneer to figure out ways to bring the good news of Jesus into your arena of life. So the evangelist is one who makes the gospel clear in places it has not been brought. Do you have a desire to do that? Often gifting is found at first just in desire. I might not know how to do that, but I at least want to do that. Lastly, Paul describes the shepherds and the teachers. Shepherds are those who care for the churches. Shepherds are those people who are often intentionally more concerned with how people are doing than actually making sure everything gets done. In one sense, the, the apostolic gifting is the charging ahead. We've got to go new places. We've got to like take the gospel to all these places. Here's this vision. Here's these plans. And the shepherd's the guy saying, hold on, hold on. Don't leave these people behind. Hold on. Let's make sure we have everybody with us. Hold on. These people are really struggling right now. Let's pump the brakes and care for these people right now. Shepherds are those who are really gifted at just sitting with people and listening. And not just being like a dead bump on a log, but actively listening for how people are doing. Listening for where they're wounded. Listening for where they need the truths of Jesus spoken to them. Shepherds are more concerned with how people are doing than making sure everything gets done. Shepherds are people who know how to counsel, care, see the gospel brought into people's lives. Think about a shepherd with his sheep. He protects them. He leads them to water. He feeds them. He makes sure that everyone is still in the flock. That's what a shepherd does with the church. It's often the work that pastors do primarily is the work of shepherding. Let's look at this role of teacher Teacher, shepherd, in one sense, the language for those is similar. So in one sense, we would believe that the role of a pastor is often of a shepherd and teacher. Within the New Testament, these gifts are often found at the center of local church life. Shepherds and teachers. The teacher, though, is someone who really, really, really cares about doctrine really, really cares that we're rightly understanding the scriptures, that people are rightly interpreting and reading the Bible. The teacher is the one who's continually focused on making sure that we all rightly understand the truths of Jesus. That's what the, that's what the teacher does. So, 
out of those five giftings, we can see that in all of those different diverse ways, those five roles help the rest of us figure out what is our role. What is our part to play? So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at all of the gifts listed. Don't worry, we're not going to go to every passage. We're not going to like spend time looking at every gift. But in light of those five gifts, I'm going to put up on the screen the six different places the New Testament describes the gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to necessarily analyze every one of them, but what I want you to see is that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, often called the apest, A-P-E-S-T, the apest gifting is intended to help the other gifts, the other people, determine who they are, what they're gifted in. So let's look at these gifts. These are the six places within the New Testament that the gifts of the Spirit are listed. What we're going to do is I'm just going to read these, and then we're going to make some... uh, going to notice some things about this. We're going to make some uh, comments on some of this. 1 Corinthians 12, 8, the gifting of the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, one who does miracles, one who does kinds of healing, one who gives help, one who does administration, one who speaks in different tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, the gifting of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, Tongues, interpretation of tongues. Notice already, there's some overlap. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Ephesians 4.11, we just have spent time looking at that. The gifting of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, teacher. Romans 12, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, mercy. 1 Corinthians 7, did you know that marriage is a gift? And there's a specific way to flesh that out. And did you know that not being married is also a gift? It's a gift from the Spirit. There's a lot we could say on both of those. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks, which is a broad amount of gifts, and whoever renders service, which also is a broad amount of gifts. And so there's a lot there. We could spend a lot looking at each of those gifts. But I think a helpful way to think about all those gifts is through the lens of that last passage. 1 Peter 4.11. There are gifts for those who speak and gifts for those who render service. Let's look at this whole passage. 1 Peter 4.10-11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles or the truths of God... Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So I think this is a really helpful way for you to begin to discern and figure out, do I have a speaking gift or do I have a service gift? All of those gift listings fall under one of those categories. Speaking gifts in service gifts. So, as we get ready to close, can we go back to that slide, Joe, that had all the gifts listed? Thank you. Let's point out a couple things about this. Does any one of these lists have all the gifts listed? No. There's some overlap. 
Some are shorter, some are longer. Why, why do you think the New Testament writers, Paul, John, Peter, Timothy, all really sharp guys, why would none of them think to make a master list? Wouldn't that be helpful? Give it just church in Corinth. Hey, man, we're really struggling with the gifts. People are trying to speak in tongues. People are trying to prophesy. Can you give us a master list? There isn't one. A couple thoughts on that. First off, that shows that the apostles themselves recognize that there's probably giftings that aren't even on these lists. There's probably ways the Spirit of God is going to show up and actually lead people to see Jesus that aren't even on this list. Because what does the Spirit want to do? He wants the people of God to actually figure out how to be the people of God in their area. Do you think a gift list for Christians living in Chesapeake and Virginia Beach and Hampton Roads might actually include some different giftings that are on here? Maybe giftings that would come out of this, but there's probably some pretty unique ways you and I are called to be witnesses for Jesus right now compared to first century Rome or Corinth or Galatia. And also, I think that it's safe to say that because there is no one master list, this would prompt us towards a missional reading of the scriptures. That we don't just say, well, I need to somehow figure out exactly which gifting I am versus saying, well, wait a minute. If my job now is to figure out how to be God's missional people right here in Hampton Roads in 2022, in spring, in Hampton Roads, what would it look like to be a witness, huh? What if we took time to figure that out? There would be unique, different giftings that would come out of that. Let's notice, secondly, that out of all these gifts listed, don't you think there's probably different forms or expressions of how the gift could actually be carried out? Serving is a gift. Don't you think, depending on the person, there might be different ways they're really good at serving? If I was going to serve you by baking you something, thanks for the effort, Nate. I would not be very good at doing that. But if you were to ask my wife or Kirsten or Haley to serve you through baking, now there is someone who knows their gifting. So that doesn't mean that I can't serve. That doesn't mean I couldn't bake. But Nate, your gifting might be in a different area. So notice that the giftings have different form, expression, depending on person, depending on context, depending on situation, even depending on your own capacity. You might have the gift of service, but you might only be able to serve one or two days a week. Other people might have capacity to be out there serving people seven days a week. Does that mean they're better than you? Nope. Spirit's gifted you in different ways. Notice also that many of these gifts are really broad. We already talked about serving. Serving is mentioned, look at the list, Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4. But think about, again, we're literally taking one of these, serving. You could serve people with children. You could serve people by counseling. You could serve people by building or doing labor for them. You could have a specialized set of skills that you serve people with. You could have the gift of writing and serve people in writing. Think about the gift of evangelism. You could share the truths of Jesus online. 
You could share the truths of Jesus in face-to-face conversation. Isn't it so funny? For some reason, we always think the gift of evangelism is people knocking on doors and handing out tracts. What a huge lack of creativity on our part that we associate evangelism with one specific thing. People can be evangelists through song, through writing, through spoken word, through a relationship. Again, we could go on and flesh these out. Think about all the different ways that you could have the gift of mercy. Think about all the different ways you could have the gift of leadership. Even outside of the local church, you could take your gifting of leadership, your desire to lead people, and use that outside of the church. The gifting of encouragement. Again, these gifts could be expressed in so many different ways. Last thing to note, and I want to make sure that we're clear on this. Gifts can vary in strength depending on the capacity of the person. You might have the same gifting as another person, and that gifting might get expressed in stronger or less strong ways because the goal, what is the goal of gifting? It's building up the body. It's maturing together. The the goal is not comparison. The goal is actually benefiting the church. One scholar said, how do you discern if, if you have a gift? Like, oh, I think I might have the gift of speaking. I think maybe I have the gift of encouragement. Well, how do you know? Can you at least use that gift in a way that would benefit the church? It's like, well, I don't know if I have the gift of encouraging like 100 people but I might have the gift to encourage one or two people. Friend, you got the gift. If you can use it in a way that actually would benefit and build up the church, then that's how we actually look at, okay, do I actually have this gifting or not have this gifting? And again, this gift lifting is not exhaustive because the Spirit wants to work in different ways, in different contexts, in different cultures, locales, different needs within the church. So what we're going to do is we're going to hit the brakes right now. We're going to pause. We kind of covered a lot of ground today. But next week, what we're going to do is I want us to specifically look at the giftings of tongues and prophecy. So tongues, for those of you who don't know, is people who actually speak in languages that are not the languages that everyday people are speaking in. Like if I just started speaking in a, a tongue right now that you didn't understand, like a different language or something like that, that would be a gift of tongues. We're going to talk about, has that gift continued or not? Does that gift have a role in the local church? We're going to talk about the gift of prophecy, people who speak on behalf of God. We're going to look at those giftings specifically next week, just to flesh that out some more again, because those giftings often have a lot of confusion associated with them. But also, what we're primarily going to look at next week is how do we begin to figure out what gifts we have? How do we begin to figure out and discern, how am I gifted? then how do you use your gift? So, so this week, I would ask you, those of you here, again, those of you even online, to begin to do some soul work, to begin to take some time, maybe alone with the Spirit, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your missional community, and begin to ask, in what ways do you think I'm gifted? In what ways do you see the Spirit putting desires in me that would actually lead me to figure out who I am in Jesus? Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. To learn more about our kingdom ministry located in Chesapeake, Virginia, visit weareredemption.org.